God, we come to you in this time and we give you thanks. We give you praise. We, we come knowing that you have something to speak to us today, something to say to us. You have a, a way that you want to touch our hearts and our minds. You want to prepare us to live for you all the more. So, Lord, we open ourselves up to you in this time and we ask for this blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're in the book of Acts, and we have our theme verse. Let's read together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you believe that? We say this each week, and I hope you're kind of getting a feel for this verse. As it takes us through the book of Acts and it reminds us what is going on as the church is, is really starting to flourish. But it's not just for the people in the book of Acts. It's for us. When we say this verse, Jesus is not just putting his spirit on those who were in the book of Acts. It was not just for that time. It's for all times. It's for us now as his followers, as his witnesses to go out into our community out beyond our community, out beyond our state, out beyond our country. We are to be witnesses to all areas for Jesus. And we see this happening more and more in the books of, book of Acts as we remember that uh, Saul was persecuting the church and scattered the Christians and they began to talk a little bit and then Saul himself was saved and then he went out and he began to preach the word. And we come to... Chapter 10, this today. Take in those pictures for a moment. People that are covered with tattoos, gang members, homeless people. These are some of the people that we might judge by their appearance. You might look at them and immediately have an idea of what kind of person they are. There's some people that maybe you feel uncomfortable with. But what if God was to say to you, go share your testimony with that person? You might be a little uncomfortable with that. You might have a little conversation with God about that. God, are you sure that you really want me to do that? You might be a little concerned about doing that. Would you resist the call or would you follow that call. You see, we all have prejudices in some way. There's people that we judge, people that we have prejudices against for whatever reason. There could be all different kinds of reasons, but we all have prejudices against certain people, certain things. Maybe the lifestyle that they live is different from us, or their philosophy, their worldview is different from us, and because of the way they live or the way they look or who they are or the people they hang out with, we begin to have these judgments about them. We might even think at times, although we might not want to admit it, but we might think at times that their life doesn't really mean much, that their life doesn't really matter, that God can't ever change them, or that God could never use them for the kingdom of God, that their life is not that important because of the way that they are living. This morning, we're going to see how Peter is going to battle his prejudices as God is giving him a challenging 
call. So in the book of, uh, or book of Acts, chapter 10, in the beginning of that chapter, we're introduced to someone whose name is Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a centurion, and we're told in the scriptures that his family, they're God-fearing people even though they were Gentiles. They were not Jews, they were Gentiles, but we're told that they were God-fearing people. We're also told that he was generous to those in need. And because of his heart and because of his generosity, we are told that God heard his prayers. When he prayed, God heard his prayers. Now, he was going to the synagogue, but he and his family had not been circumcised, so they were not allowed to have full participation in the synagogue. They had to sit in the back, they could observe, but they could not participate. And so this is kind of the status of Cornelius and his father, he, uh, his family. They were God-seekers. They were seeking out the one true God. And as you read in this chapter, and I encourage you to do that this week, go through and read the chapter, uh, Acts chapter 10. And as you read the chapter, you might want to ask yourself, is Cornelius saved? Is he born again? Is he a Christ follower? And I think as you read that, initially you'll say, no, he is not born again. He does not have a faith in Jesus Christ yet, but he is seeking God, and God is hearing his prayers. And so because of this, God gives Cornelius a vision. It's a a wonderful story in this chapter. And so... Uh, Verses 3 to 6, and when you see the yellow, whenever you see the yellow, please uh, read with me. Let's participate together in that. And so it starts off saying, one day at about 3 in the afternoon, he, Cornelius, had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So we see that that Cornelius gets this vision from God, and he's not surprised by this vision. doesn't seem to be surprised. He's not surprised by the request that God is making of him. He is not concerned about how God feels like he needs to to reach out to one of the disciples for some teaching. We can know this because of his response, as we see in the next verses. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that happened and sent them to Joppa. So he had this vision. He immediately calls his servants and soldier, and he tells them the story of his vision. He tells them what he's been asked to do, and so he sends them to Joppa to do exactly what God has commanded him to do, to send for Peter, to bring Peter to his home. And so, we see Cornelius responding to God, responding to the vision. Maybe he felt in his heart that he was lacking in his relationship with God. Maybe he had a heart that desired to know more. I I think he did, because we can see in the passage that he is really seeking God, and this is one more avenue that he could take to, to know God more deeply, to be in a deeper relationship, a more committed relationship with this God 
whom he is seeking after. You know, we all have this need in our hearts. And I hope that you search out that, that deep need in your heart and you say, you know, I sense that I want a deeper relationship with God. I want to know God more deeply. I want to be stronger in my faith. I want to be a more mature follower of Christ. I want to be a true disciple of Christ. So keep that thought. I hope you're thinking that thought. I hope you're feeling that in your heart. I hope that you're thinking that in your mind. Keep that as we go through the story, because we're going to come back to that in a second. So now we have Cornelius on one side. On the other side, we have Peter. Peter's in Joppa, right? And he goes to prayer regularly. I'm sure that he went to prayer regularly because of seeing Jesus pray regularly. He went to prayer regularly because he knew he needed strength and wisdom and the power of God working in his life. I mean, he was serving the Lord, right? He needed that presence and that power of the Lord. But I don't think that when Peter went to prayer this day, he was expecting anything different, that he was expecting anything profound, that he was expecting God to to give him a special call. I think he was just going to be in the presence of God, but he will be surprised. Now, one thing I do want to note as we come to this story, very important note, is that even though Peter was a Christ follower, right, a disciple, a Christ follower, even though he was a Christ follower, he was still a Jew. And there's still parts of him that thought like a Jew. Have you ever noticed that, that the part of your old self comes back from time to time? And even though you're a Christ follower, you still battle with some of your old thoughts, some of your old sins, some of your old ways. And Peter had that, especially when it came to Gentiles. Peter did not believe, as so many of the other Jews believed, that Gentiles would be saved by God, that they were even worthy of being saved. He had this prejudice against Gentiles, those who were not Jews. That's very important in this story for you to understand what is going on. As God's chosen people, the Jews were to be saved by God, not the Gentiles. Although, even in the Old Testament, you'll you'll read that sometimes Gentiles were saved, but when they were saved, they became like Jews. They were circumcised, they were brought into the Jewish tradition, and they became like Jews, right? So they were not thought of Gentiles anymore, they were thought to be like Jews when they were saved in the Old Testament. So that's an interesting um, understanding. Do you have the same kind of thinking when you come to prayer? When you go to prayer, do you just say, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to? Or I'm doing this because I have a list of people I'm supposed to pray for, and if I don't, then I don't get my to-do list done, and so you know, I'm going to go to prayer? Or just because, you know, I know I'm supposed to be in the presence of God, so, you know, I want to be able to tell my pastor, yeah, I pray. Or do you come to prayer thinking, God is going to say something to me. God is going to speak to me. Maybe God is going to give me a call on my life today. Maybe God's going to do something profound and amazing in this time of prayer. Do you have that expectation? I hope you do, because God speaks to us when we pray. God comes to us 
when we pray. God gives us visions and understanding and wisdom and special words. Maybe he'll give you a special word that you say, I need to tell you something that God told me to tell you. Wouldn't that be surprising? Pastor, God gave me a word that he needs to speak to you, that you need to hear this word. Wow, that's really great that you listened and then I get to hear that from you. See, Peter wasn't going to prayer with this in mind, but he should have. Because as he starts to pray, he gets this vision. And in this vision, he sees all kinds of animals. Some of the animals he sees are animals that the Jews consider to be clean. And some of the animals that he sees in his vision are animals that are unclean, that are not to be eaten by a Jew. And as he has this vision, he is told, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, kill and eat. And he struggles here, right? Because this is a command from the Lord. But it's going against God's written law that a Jew should not kill and eat anything that is unclean. And so he's struggling with this vision. And this vision actually, the, the voice speaks to him that phrase three times. Peter, kill and eat. And here we see God preparing Peter for what he's going to ask him to do. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Read with me. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So he has this thinking about these animals. Kill and eat. It's like, Lord, I can't do that. I can't have anything to do with anything that's unclean. And after a time, he begins to realize, wait a minute, this... Maybe God has a deeper meaning for me here. And he tells him, you're going to be visited by three men, and I want you to go to that with those three men, and they're going to take you to the house of a Gentile. A Gentile, Peter. They're going to take you to the house of a Gentile, and you're going to go, and you're going to speak to him about me. And God uses this vision to break down Peter's prejudices against Gentiles and prepare him to indeed go with these men so that he can speak this message that God wants him to speak. Very important for Peter to do this, to continue on being that witness that Jesus proclaimed that he was going to be. So three times he gets this, vis this vision, and then all of a sudden he hears this knock on his door. And when he opens the door... Indeed, there's three men standing there, just as he had been told, telling him, please come to Cornelius' house with us. Come to the house of a Gentile. And Peter was ready, and Peter went. See, when we open ourselves up to God in prayer, and we go expecting God to do something, a surprise will come. A surprise message, a surprise a blessing, a surprise giving you peace or filling you with joy. Something, when you come expecting something from God in that time of prayer, God will give you a surprise. God will give you a special blessing in that time of prayer. We need to be open to that. We need to be ready and willing to receive that. So, a few weeks ago, you know that I took a group of uh, 
people from our church to Ensenada. Really amazing view of Ensenada. Um, and when we pulled into Ensenada in the evening, that Sunday evening, I got a text from Pastor Gabriel. Now, we went, our trip uh, itinerary was to go, and on Monday we were to work at Pastor Gabriel's church, and on Tuesday we were to spend time at the orphanage. And we came in on Sunday night. We were just going to go to the ranch after we ate dinner. I got this text. Pastor Gabriel said, oh, by the way, we're having our three-year church anniversary tonight, and we're having our Christmas party. We'd like you to stop by. Well, fortunately, his church is right on the way to the ranch where we're staying. So after we ate dinner, we drove to the ranch, and we walk in, and this party is going on. I mean, it's been going on for a while, and they're having fun, and there's food all around, and people are talking, and they're playing with the pinata. And so there we are. We're just kind of standing off to the side, right? We're not quite sure what to do. <laughs> we're not really connected with what's going on. I mean, the people kind of reached out, and they offered us some food, but we're still we're like, okay, how do we engage ourselves here? Have you ever done that? You've been in a situation where you're kind of on the side and you're not quite sure how to connect. Well, Pastor Gabriel always asked me to bring my saxophone when I come, and I had brought my saxophone, and I told him that I brought my saxophone. So he says, go get it. And so I went out to the van to get it, and by the time I was back into the church, the band was already up and playing. <laughs> now, they hadn't been playing before, but they are already playing. So I'm putting my saxophone together, and I go up, and I'm like, what key are we in? You know, what do we do? What do we play? And so we played for a while. And I think, I don't know, some of you, I told this story, but he said, oh, we'll just play one song. So we play a song, and he's like, uno mas, one more. <laughs> so we played another song, and he's like, uno mas. And I think like five, six songs later, he's like, okay, I think we're done. And someone, I forget who said it, but someone says, uno mas means something different here. <laughs> but when I started playing my saxophone, I was comfortable, and we were ministering, and the people were drawn into worship, and and all of a sudden, now we were connected, and the people from our church were sitting at the tables, and we're mingling now, and there was a connectedness going on. It's interesting, when Peter arrives, he, uh, he's not sure what he's supposed to do. I mean, he's been invited, but he's kind of uncomfortable. He's not connected. He's at the house of a Gentile. What am I doing here? What am I supposed to do? I know I had this vision from God. And so he says to Cornelius, why did you ask me to come? Why am I here? You know, he wanted to try to feel a purpose. He wanted to feel an understanding of what am I supposed to do here? I still am not sure what this experience is about. And we'll, we'll experience that all the time. You'll be talking with someone and you feel like God has led you to them. You'll be with them and you feel like there's something that you need to say. You're like, why am I here, Lord? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? There's going to be that time of uncomfortability for you. But then we see that Cornelius shares his vision with Peter, tells him all about his vision, why he sent his people to bring him there, and then he makes a great statement in verse 33. Cornelius says, So I sent for you immediately. Immediately. See that word? Immediately. He responded to the call that God gave him. I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Read with me. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. This is Peter's cue, right? This is his opening. God, in essence, is just laying it in his lap. And Cornelius just said, we called to you so that you would come and that you would speak to us so that we might listen to what? 
everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now, I've spoken in a lot of different places. Many places there was a willing audience, but sometimes I've spoken in places where there was not that willing of an audience. I've spoken a couple of times at rescue missions. Now, the interesting thing about a rescue mission is that they have to listen to the message before they get their food. Now, think about that for a moment. They come into a room and they said, you don't get your food until you listen to the message. So then they say, Pastor, you're on. <laughs> and you look it out there, it's like they know they need that physical food, but the spiritual food, they're not quite sure, right? And it's really a challenge when you're speaking to an audience that you're not sure if they really want to listen. You're not sure if they really want to hear what you have to say. But in those times when you're speaking to a willing audience, it's a very different experience. And this is what was happening with Peter. Peter was speaking to a willing audience, an audience that wanted to listen to what he had to say. An audience that said, we invited you here to speak to us. Whatever God puts on your heart, we want to hear it. Wow. What an opportunity for Peter. And so as Aaron read for us, Peter begins to talk about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist was baptizing. And then Jesus came and he baptized Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and started him off in his ministry. And Jesus went around preaching the good news of the gospel, preaching salvation to all who believe. And he healed those who were sick and he removed Demons from those who are demon-possessed. And Peter goes on to tell the story about how he was a witness to all that happened, including the crucifixion and the resurrection, giving him credibility as a speaker, right? I was there. I was a witness. I saw what happened. I saw what Jesus did. I saw who Jesus is. And he tells him all this, and then he finishes his sermon with these words. All the prophets testify about him, about Jesus, that what? Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now think about for a moment who Peter is speaking to. He's speaking to Gentiles. And I wonder if when he says these words, it finally clicks. He finally begins to understand everyone who believes in him receives what? Forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone. Everyone means everyone who believes. That tattooed person that's standing on the corner, if he believes in Jesus, his sins are forgiven, right? Everyone who believes receives forgiveness of sins. And then, maybe Cornelius finally understood about Jesus that he was seeking the one true God, but he didn't understand God through Jesus. He didn't have that salvation through Jesus. And so he and his family and those who are around him, they believed. And then something spectacular happened. While Peter was speaking these words, what happened? The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. When I was in Long Beach, we regularly did a, a series called Alpha. Now, Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. 
And so the reason why this study is called Alpha is it's because it's about the beginnings or the first things of the Christian faith. And so for 10 weeks, we would talk about who is Jesus and why did Jesus die and what about the church? And we talk about all these beginnings, these first things of the Christian faith. And then at the end of that 10-week series, we'd go up to the mountains and we'd, we'd have a retreat. And the whole retreat was all about the Holy Spirit. The whole weekend, all we would talk about is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We talk about who the Holy Spirit is, how you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what it means to be gifted by the Holy Spirit. And then on Saturday night, we would always have the opportunity for people to receive Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And then after that, we would have a time of prayer. And it was amazing that during that time of prayer, the Holy Spirit was very present and powerful in our meeting. This is is what's going on here with Peter, right? Peter is preaching about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon the people. Upon who? Upon Gentiles. The Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. And for Peter, he's trying to process all of this. He's like, on the Gentiles. How is that possible? The Gentiles are, well, Gentiles, right? They don't deserve to be saved. He's still dealing with his prejudices. And slowly God is opening up his eyes to say, everyone who believes will be saved, will be forgiven of their sins, will be cleansed, will be saved, even the Gentiles. And it says in the the text that Peter and his people that were with him were astonished at what had happened. They were surprised by what were happening. Something happened that they didn't expect. And you know what? When you are faithful in your call to God, even though you might have these doubts in your mind, if you're faithful in that call to share your testimony, to share a message with someone that God leads you to, someone who you might not even think, that person is so hard-hearted, or that person is so materialistic, or that person is so sinful, or that person hates God so much, they'll never believe. We think that way. We think that way, and it holds us back from sharing our testimony with certain people people who probably need to hear it the most. Maybe we're fearful, maybe we're doubtful, whatever it is, we stand back and we don't follow that call that God puts us, God, I could never talk to that person. That person is so different than me, they would never want to listen to my story. But when we are faithful and we do it, even though sometimes we have doubts, our heart is not fully in it, God works miracles. Amen? God works miracles. A surprise happens, and we're astonished at the result, and we're like, wow, I didn't expect that. (laughs) I didn't expect that person to be saved. And that's what happened here with Peter and Cornelius. There's a woman named Helene Montone, And her and her husband weren't able to have children. 
And so they decided that they wanted to adopt. And so when their son was very young, but they thought he was at an age where they could share with him that he was adopted, they wanted him to know right away that he was adopted. And so they said it to him in this way. Helene's talking to her son, and she says, We were told that I couldn't have a baby. And Jesus knew this. So he put you in someone who couldn't be a mommy to have you for us. Jesus decided that you belong to us, and so she gave you to us. This is how we became a family. One day, they were going home from the nursery. He's still very young, and they're driving in the car, and he's in the back seat, and he says, Mommy, was I born in Jesus' belly? <laughs> you know how little kids think, right? And she went through the story again and told him again how they became a family. And then she asked him if he had any other questions, and and he said, no, now I remember. I wasn't born in Jesus' belly. I was born in Jesus' eyes. I was born in Jesus' eyes. That is how we need to look at every single person around us. That, Jesus, that they were born in Jesus' eyes. Remember, the scripture says that Jesus was standing on the mountain. He was looking over Jerusalem, and he was weeping because his people were lost and so far from him. There are many people in our world that are lost and that are far from Jesus, but they were born in Jesus' eyes, and Jesus loves them. They're just lost. Jesus wants you to look at them with the same kind of eyes and the same kind of love and the same kind of hope that he has for them. Don't let your prejudices keep you from fulfilling a call that God has in your life. Don't let your doubts or your concerns or your fear keep you from being that witness to sharing that testimony that God so much wants for you to share. You never know how that seed will be planted and will later flourish, even if it doesn't immediately bear fruit at that moment. Don't hesitate. Hopefully, sometimes you'll have a willing audience that will say, will you tell me about Jesus? That's wonderful when people do that. But even if they don't, if God gives you that opportunity, take it and wait for the surprise that will come. Let us pray.